ah, look out, episode sixty, my age podcast. Thank you for you know. Let's let's kick off let's kick off the end of twenty twenty with a big old bang, shall we? Uh, first off, if it's your first time here, probably a lot of people's first time here, which is fantastic. Hey, look, go back and check out a bunch of other episodes. Uh, there's a lot of Australian content from the hardcore punk umbrella. There's a lot of there's a few internationals, you know. There's a there's a bit of this and a bit of that, something to tickle everybody's fancy, I guess. First off, I just want to give a huge shout out to uh, the fine folk at Axtagram Podcast. They hit me up and asked me to be a part of their, uh, I guess, Thanksgiving episode um, where they basically, you know, plug a whole bunch of different podcasts from their friends. And I was lucky enough to be, you know, considered one of their friends. So look out, um, Axtagram. It is the the hardcore podcast. We've had Bob as a previous guest. I can't remember what number it is, but if you're into this, you'll probably dig Bob's episode as well. So go back and dig that up. Um, they played a, a small snippet from the Tim from Ensign podcast, which, you know, kind of brings it all back around. Tim was a uh, guitar tech slash roadie for Sick of It All back in the 90s, I guess, and was in a, at least one of their film clips, maybe more than that, but um, was... If, you know, just as an FYI, he was the in the step down film clip from yeah, in the step down film clip, which is one of the classic film clips of all time. Uh, he was the guy wearing the rancid shirt doing the California hardcore air, air quotes dancing. So, a bit of shinfo for you all. Um, On to other things, a bit of housekeeping. Um, My Age Podcast is part of the Podbelly Network. If you've got an idea on a podcast but you're not kind of sure how to get it, you know, from your mouth to the listener's ears, go to podbelly.com. Um, there's a whole bunch of info on how to kind of get a podcast going, best ways and practices, you know, best best recording situations, microphones, best places to upload, all that kind of exciting shit. And there's also a whole bunch of really cool podcasts there that you can check out. Um, one of the podcasts that I've been really enjoying a lot is Art and Jacob Do America. Um why I clicked with it is because I've had some really really cool guests like Justin from um, Some Girls and The Locust and they had Aaron North just recently who played in the Icarus line and Nine Inch Nails which is a really really cool cool listen um, you know so if you're into that kind of thing Art and Jacob do America um, what else this podcast is brought to you by the one and only Gringo Bandito you like hot sauce don't you like you I'm talking to you you like hot sauce. You like you like food, and then you like elevating your food's potential. Gringo Bandito is the condiment of choice to ele- to create such elevations. So they've got a whole bunch. They've got forty. Well, a whole bunch. They've got four different flavors. Four's all you need. I mean, they might come out with another one, but like four is what you really need. They've got all, most of the covers. They've got most of the bases covered, so that's a good thing. Um, and if you're in Australia, you can get it on eBay. Or you can go to blastoffimports.com and you can check it out there. They're on special at the moment. Or if you're in North America, you can go to gringobandito.com where you can get, you know, your cravings, your addictions. You can get them fulfilled at uh, gringobandito.com. You can go to Amazon as well if you want. That's another option. But, you know, go to the source. Go to the source of the source, baby, and uh, do the right thing. It's a fantastic, makes a fantastic Christmas present, just throwing it out there. For the uncle or the auntie or the, you know, brother-in-law or whatever that's got everything, get them some hot sauce. That'll change their life. Also, thank you to everybody who participated in the uh, High Age album challenge. 
uh, which is the My Age podcast, the High Fires podcast. Um, every well, this is the second time we've done it this year. We just do a little record challenge, put a whole bunch of ideas together. If you participated, thank you very much. If you want to participate, just have a crack. Search for the hashtag um, High Age uh, High Age Album Challenge, and you'll you'll see the rules and the you know the the topics, and then just start posting. Just do the damn thing. Um, yeah. So thanks for that. So today. Lou and Pete Collar from Sick of It All. Um, look, uh, introductions don't really need it because it, you know, it's it's fucking Lou and Pete Collar from Sick of It All. So Lou and Lou and Pete actually have a new book out at the moment called The Blood and the Sweat: A History of Sick of It All's Collar Brothers. Um, I murdered this book in about four days, um, which is very unlike unlike me because I don't really read a whole lot. Um, but this book was fantastic. What I really, really liked about it, which I say in the episode, what I really liked about it was it's not people telling you how cool they are, <clears throat> it, like, and you know, talking down at you, if that makes sense. It's like um, it's it's like just being in a conversation that happened to be put into a book format, and they are actually doing it as an audio book version if you're that way inclined. Um, I don't know when that's due out, but, you know, that's in the works. Um, but it's just really cool. Like, it's just... It's like cool stories about them growing up stories about what they're into and all that kind of thing um yeah it's a really cool read we touch on it a bit in the episode this episode's a bit different because the book itself is actually like a you know a book form of the podcast that i do it starts from the early days and goes through to now and kind of throws musical reference points all the way through which is really really fun and enjoyable so this was probably one of the first podcasts i've done in a long time where there were actual written questions out um, you know, planned in advance, if that makes sense. Because um, usually it's just a free flow thing and we see where we kind of end up. Um, so, yeah, look, I hope you enjoy it. Um, it was a it was a fucking trip and a treat for me to do this episode. I was thinking about it the other day. I'm pretty sure Sick of It All were the first international hardcore show that I went to. Um, it was Sick of It All, Good Riddance, and I think Ceasefire played with a local band. At, um, it was like in April... 98 it was like easter weekend or i think it was good friday in april 98 um and then when i played in taken sides we we did a show we played a show with them at the gaelic club it was i think it was it was close to one of my first shows with taken sides and then in jungle fever i actually we did a whole tour with them and come back here and i posted a picture of the instagram on it and that was like 07 so i'm a fan of the band you know you probably are too. If you listen to this, you are too. And, you know, after, fuck, 30-odd years, they're still cra- they're still playing as hard as they ever did. And it's fucking admirable. Um, all right, but before we hear the interview, um, let's quickly listen to some new music. Uh, we have from Inner West of Sydney, the Inner West of Sydney, a band called Revenge Body. Um, basically just a, a bunch of mates who played in a whole bunch of bands over the last 25 years or so. Uh, around Sydney, who are playing some really cool, what you know, what they consider post-hardcore. Um, I don't know how to explain it. I just, you know, just listen to. It. I hate doing that whole. Oh, it sounds like this, and it sounds like a dash of this. No, no, no. Just, just listen to it. it they call themselves post-hardcore. You might dig it. Hopefully, you do. If you do, uh, you can find them on Facebook at um, Revenge Body Band, like some Facebook.com/slash Revenge Body Band. Um, well, they're on Spotify. There's three. They've got a three-track EP up on Spotify, so we'll play them first. And then, secondly, 
We Shall Play. No Peace, who have released a digital EP at the moment, um, but I've just got word that they're actually in the process of making something physical. Hopefully it's not a tape. Like, I get that everybody loves tapes, but, you know, stop. Just, let's not do tapes. 2021, let's not do tapes. That's the, that's the flag I'm going to die on. That's the, you know, whatever. That's the stance I'm going to take. That's probably the better way to put it. Um, so, yeah, No Peace, a hardcore band from um, Adelaide, um, basically spawned out of the boredom from COVID-19, so it's a whole bunch of different whole bunch of different band members from like members of All In, Brain Freeze and Tunnel Vision with guest appearances from Greg Benick of Trial and Pete from Homesick. What a dude. Uh, if you're into down to nothing, desperate net measures, carry on, early 2000s stuff, uh, you'll get a kick out of this as well. Um, they are on, uh, they're on a whole bunch of different places, but you know, Spotify, Apple Music, iTunes, all that kind of jazz. Um, hopefully you dig what you hear. So yeah, we'll do... Revenge Body, and then we'll do No Peace, and then you can hear me talk to sick to Lou and Pete from Sick of It All. Cool.
So with me on the line via video, I've got two. Like, I'm not. Even, I'm just going to introduce him because if you don't know, then you then you never will. It's Lou and Pete from Sick of It All. How you doing, gents? What's up? Oh, That's all right. Um, so we're we're gonna just like as I kind of mentioned before I hit record. Um, we're going to talk about you. Well, you know, the reason for the chat is you guys have got a new book out, which is fucking brilliant, and I urge everybody to go get it. Um, one of the things that I that mentioned and thought as as I was reading the whole way through it is it doesn't come across as someone talking at you. It comes across as a conversation with, you know, two brothers who've been thick as these for as long as anybody can remember, everybody can remember. Um, and it just comes off as a really comfortable, easy reading book full of all like all the lore, I guess, of sick of it all and then some. Ooh. So, yeah, it's, you know, it's fantastic. And what I, what I also kind of dug about it was that, yeah, it, it comes up as the way I do my podcast. It's just two guys shooting the shit, talking about kind of the in-depth stuff of their lives. So I'll kick it off with a really the, – the way I ask all my all – my, the way I start all my podcasts, um, your parents – you know, you, you're two, two of four boys. Um, your parents had four kids. You know, you two were the youngest two. To have like to have a strike rate of fifty percent of their kids kind of going into like having music as their career for for a very long part of their life. Um, what was their relationship to music like? Like, were they very musical people themselves? Um, was it always around the house? What What's their kind of where do they come from? And yeah, what was their relationship to music? Uh, well, they, they, didn't, they didn't play any music, but okay. they always listened. There was always music playing in the house or in the car or all that stuff, you know? Yep. Yeah. You know, the, the radio or they were, you know, play like Neil Diamond 8 track tapes. And, uh, you know, remember my mother loved country music a lot. She's from France, but she would play French music, you know, like Edith Piaf and uh, Charles Aznavour, those. And, but she would also play, uh, uh, Roy Clark, <laughs> you know, and, okay. and country, con- the country stars. <laughs> thing, you know? How does a French woman get into country? Like, I don't know. know. <laughs> okay. How does cool. anybody get into country? Well, I mean, know? look, sometimes the, you're born into the, it, like, but you know, yeah. <laughs> but the thing is, all my life I'm like, oh, country music, whatever. But then you listen to it, it's like, wow, they tell it's a really good story. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> sit there, it's like, but uh, yeah, it was that. And then like, my dad's car, always listening to the radio when we do family trips, right, Pete? And, I think that's what made me, uh, I love, uh, Motown and, and like, especially like the Supremes and, uh, Ronettes, you know, like all of that stuff came from just riding in my dad's car, loving that music. You know, I still love it today. Would they actually, actually lately we would, uh, we tell, uh, Alexa to play doo-wop in the house and And just see what Alexa comes up with. Yeah. 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 Just, uh, you know. 
And now Lucy's starting to like it, you know. Yeah. I told that to my dad. He was like, oh, that's great. She's such a great kid. <laughs> grandparents yeah that's unreal <laughs> so one thing i thought was interesting um your two older brothers were into baseball but you guys kind of gravitated to soccer um i spoke to um our our brown from a band called dangers on the west coast um who's also really into soccer but i always think it's kind of weird whenever an american gets into soccer because it's not obviously one of the four big codes over there like we're in australia it's probably one of the biggest sports <laughs> like at a, at a young age anyhow like what yeah. made you gravitate to soccer as opposed to any of the other four sports that could have easily been, you know, chucked at you, baseball, basketball, football, hockey? We did play Little League Baseball, like, for a couple of years. But then uh, they started having soccer, and it was new and exciting, you know, to me, at least, you know. And uh, we were both really good at it at the time. <laughs> now I'm garbage. But yeah. but, yeah, I loved playing. I loved playing sports. And, like, going to see baseball games. I didn't mind, but I'd, I'd rather play it than sit there. Like uh, if my dad was in the, in the house watching it on TV, 
my two older brothers would sit down and they knew all the stats and this and baseball yeah. on TV was boring. And uh, to me, even watching any sports is boring unless you're got a vested interest and, and all your friends are there and you're going wild. You yeah, know? that makes sense. Well, I was going to say I liked my sports like I like music. Okay. Fast and it's full of action. Yeah. Baseball, like you get up, you swing the bat. Maybe you hit the ball. <laughs> yeah. Maybe you walk the base. That's a, you know? The messed up way. That's why I always liked, uh, in, instead of like the NFL, I always liked Australian rules yeah. much better yep. than American football. Because yeah. it doesn't stop. No, there's no timeouts. There's no. Yeah, it's like no stop. It's, yeah. just, it's just like I like the music fast, yeah. keep moving, you know, <laughs> yeah. action. And you guys, you guys often go we, when you when you're out here. If the South Sydney Rabbitohs happen to be playing, you guys often yeah. often seen you know wearing the red and the red and green and you know going along with Graham or whoever can swindle you along to a game. Yeah, yeah. Ar- Armand and them got to uh, go to a couple of games. Yeah, uh, I didn't get to go yet. Oh, you didn't go. I, think okay. I liked. I think Vinny. I liked to go with those guys that night. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> but that it was. We watched it on. We were in the uh, the. The apartment that we were staying at, watching it with a bunch of people. That see, that's fun because yep. everybody's screaming and going wild. You know? Yep, you get caught up in it. Yeah, yeah. No, fantastic. Um, so your dad claims your first record was "You're So Vain" by Carly Simon. Is there any truth to that? I don't remember that. Okay. The, the, the first one, the first forty-five that we ever got, I think was uh, "Bad Bad Leroy Brown." I don't remember the the oh, who's the artist <laughs> who did that. I've got no idea. I can sing it all along. Then we got got, uh, Kung Fu Fighting was another one. Okay. The the first seven-inch I bought was uh, Alice Cooper School's Out. I got it at an antique store, like a used, you know, a second-hand store for like 25 cents. Yep. You know, that was my first rock seven-inch. Yeah. What about you, Pete? (laughs) What do you remember buying early on? I never buy anything. Lou, oh. Lou always. <laughs> That's a good way to do it. Yeah. <laughs> I just followed him. Yep. <laughs> That's incredible. I had a paper route and I delivered newspapers, so I had money. Yeah, you had, <laughs> you had the disposable income at an early age. <laughs> so, like, what, what, like, to put it in context, when you were buying a used record for a quarter, what else could you, like, what does that equate to now? Is it like a dollar or is it $5? Like, what? Now it's probably five bucks. Okay. Yeah. You know, if, if it was, I got it. It was like secondhand. It wasn't even, it was like on Warner Brother Records, but when it was in an Atlantic Records sleeve and it was just written in pen on it was Alice Cooper School's Out. Yeah. And uh, if you had the original sleeve, it'd probably be worth like hundreds of thousands, maybe. Who knows? <laughs>
So at the end of the book, you both kind of mentioned, yeah, you have a really cool chapter that kind of lists off your top 10 or, or not even top 10, just a top list of things. Um, being, oh, yeah, yeah. Being like, you know, metal rock, metal and rock albums or hardcore punk albums or other albums, that kind of thing. Um, and both of you list Black Sabbath as both of you list Black Sabbath albums as being your favorite, you know, some of your favorite albums of all time. Um, Pete, do you remember the first time you heard Black Sabbath? Like, was it a lightning bolt moment or did it kind of just... Yeah, it, it yeah. was. Lou, Lou, you remember this too because we were all hanging out in the basement of our parents' house. Yeah. My, yeah. We had these, I don't know if you remember, black light posters, they call, sort of velvety, whatever. Yep, yep. And <laughs> wall that was a Grim Reaper holding like a big sickle. Yep. But when the lights out, his face glowed. Okay, so his skull was just glowing in the dark. And our brother Matt was like, hey, boy, listen to this. And he put on, um, uh, which, which one did he I thought it was the, I thought it was the first black, it was the song Black Sabbath with the yeah, yeah. rain so and the put, bell. Black Sabbath, yeah, yeah. <laughs> black Sabbath by Black Sabbath on Black Sabbath. Yeah. 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 Wow. So, and that I, scared I, the shit out of me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I was like, this is great. <laughs> it's, a, it's a hell of a song. Like, I mean, I guess... What is it? Forty years later? Oh no, fifty years later. It probably do, it yeah. probably wouldn't spook kids as much as it would. But like in nineteen seventy no, or whenever it came out, it's fucking no yeah. one was doing that. Like that was it. That was the most evil shit yeah, you could imagine. Was, I mean, and then he plays War Pigs. He got you know we were going, we were raised Catholic, and at that point, still going to church every Sunday, right? You know, and he's talking about uh, Satan laughing spreads his wings, and you're like, oh my god, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Were your parents kind of like, were they aware of that you were listening to music, like that all your brothers and you guys were listening to this kind of music or like was it off the radar and or like if they if they were aware of it, what was their take on it, like being the good Catholic parents? <laughs> well, they, they didn't really uh, say anything bad about the music. My mom, and I, we talk about it in the book that our, our, our mom got us as a gift for the end of the school year, whatever year it was, the Kiss Alive album. Yep. You know, and it wasn't until like months or maybe even a year later, my dad goes, "Yeah, I listened to that Kiss record of yours. What's this song where he's yelling, take off your clothes?'" And I'm like, "I have no idea what you're talking about." Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't listen to lyrics, Dad. That's not my. I think it was yeah. on that song. She, you know, where like, she walks by moonlight, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but still, you know, it was like they never really sat there and, and said, you can't listen to this. You can't listen to that. They, they were really cool. Like, as long as we went to church, yep. which we did until I think Pete was 15 and I was 16. And then we were like, yeah, we're not going to church anymore because we stay out too late on Saturday night to get up early for church. We were always too hungover to go to church. Well, that, yeah, that's another one. Yeah, that's right. We would. Uh, You're going to block your daughter's ears when you say that, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you got an earmuffs. Yeah, we, earmuffs. What we would do is, uh, <laughs> we would tell them oh we'll go to the later mass and then we would try to play it off but they would come and say get out my dad be get out of here you got to go to church so we would start to walk to the church and then just cut off to the there was a park and go sleep in the park and then go oh church is over let's go home rest up yeah sleep off the hangover yeah
Are you, without getting too personal, are you guys still religious or was it something that you were kind of born into and then walked away from? Or how do you, how does kind of religion play a part in your life? I'm religious. I'm religious every time I get on a plane. Like, God, please don't let this thing crash. Yeah. That's about it. Yeah. <laughs> That's about it. What about you, Pete? <laughs> uh, I believe in something. There yeah. has to be something good. There has to be something good out there, you know? And I pray every night that Donald Trump dies. So it, hopefully it happens. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's he's, pretty rough, he's still, he's, he still reckons he beat COVID, but I reckon, you know, I'm not saying he's not going to beat it, but I think it's too early to call. It's, you know, it's still only, it's still only like the start of the third quarter kind of thing. So, yeah, yeah. Well, now, he, now his hope. doctor came. His doctor just was on, you know, came out and did a speech or a report. And he's like, no, it's safe. We can tell you now that the president has antibodies in his system, blah, blah, alluding <laughs> to that. Oh, he beat it and he has. No, they stuffed the antibodies into him. Yeah. You know, it wasn't like yeah, they didn't develop. The hospital like everybody else. OK, you rest here and do absolutely nothing. And we'll stick this, uh, you know. A respirator on you and then see what happens no they were like shove every experimental drug we have into this jerk you know like yeah well, the, the amazing so, i mean not, that's, and they they shot him up with antibodies yeah without getting too political he like if he was the one that said like you know we've got a we've got a vaccine for this like it's literally a case of put your money where your mouth is like and there's not yeah. that's not getting political that's just like he says you know mm-hmm. let's try it let's try that hydro hydro whatever it was cool okay Line, you're the first yeah. in line, yeah. you know. Yeah. So, <clears throat> cool. Um, was there a defining moment that you guys kind of knew that hardcore was going to be the like the way to go moving forward in your life? That kind of like you know, a lot of people go through the thing where they they hear punk music, or they hear hardcore, and all of a sudden, like the Carly Simon's LP just kind of gets moved to mum's pile or whatever. Like, <laughs> was there a moment that um you guys were like, this is where we, this is the direction we're going to be for a long time coming like yeah pete 
Just music wise or life wise? Well, yeah, well, like the the style of music that the, that you kind of were going, like the reason you kind of yeah. was there a moment when you were like, we're gonna play hardcore punk, like uh, you know, whatever you know, what I write is is what I could play, you yep. know, and it's hardcore. That's that's what I. That's what comes play. out. Yeah, that's that's what comes out. If I listen to hip hop or whatever. It influences me, but it comes out hardcore. Yeah. yeah. And to me, that's my favorite music. That's what I, that's what gets me going. So, yep. you know. What about you, Lou? Was there ever, was there ever a chance that you were going to, you know, release the pay to come B-side with the funk or the, the you know, the <laughs> funk, funk song <laughs> oh, on, the, the, on the B-side? The funk, re, re, the funk remixes? Yeah. Uh, but we, uh, you know, as we got into music, we liked the harder and faster stuff, you know, every each time. Like, yeah, I love Deep Purple, but I love Deep Purple's, you know, Speed King. You know, that was my favorite Deep Purple song. And same thing, uh, like, when, when we moved on to Rainbow and stuff like that, it was always the more up-tempo songs, Kill the King and stuff like that. So when yeah. Hardcore Punk came, I was like, oh, this, is, this isn't, you know, it's more wilder than metal and it's got such energy. But the time I knew that I'm going to, this is it for me, was we went to see Agnostic Front. Uh, it was like, I think they returned from touring on Victim in Pain. Like, they, you know, they did like a little U.S. tour or something. And it was my second show at CBGB's. And just being in that place and sitting there and, and Vinny Stigma was talking to me. And I didn't even know it was Vinny Stigma because I had long hair at a, cut denim jacket with motorhead on the back yep and uh he goes oh you like agnostic front and i go yeah victim and pain's a fucking great record blah 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 <laughs> and then he, he goes ah cool have a good time and he walked away and i don't know if i turned to peter who or armand maybe and i go that guy was a really nice guy you know because we all had long hair and they were all skinheads everywhere yep. i think all of new york shaved their head that day yeah right. except for us four guys <laughs> yeah and and then Vinny sigma gets up on stage and i'm like holy shit that's a guitar player that never happened at Madison Square Garden when me and Pete went to see Black Sabbath. You know, Tony yeah. Ioni wasn't in the crowd going, hey, you like Black Sabbath? Yeah. Yeah. But <laughs> so then, that sold it for me, the energy, the camaraderie, all that shit. Another amazing moment in the book is when you had that kind of same kind of conversation with um, Cliff Burton from Metallica. Like, I'm not sure if you were at the show, actually in the show, or you said you're in the alleyway at the back or whatever. Like, that's got to be it. Yeah, that was after the show. Yeah, we went to see uh, Venom and Metallica was opening up and we knew who Metallica was and uh, from that uh, comp and they were staying at a friend of ours house while they were uh, in New York recording. Yep. So we watched Metallica's set and we were like, yeah, it's really great, you know? And, uh, and like you said, like afterwards we were waiting to meet Venom 
didn't even think about Metallica. And then all of a sudden Cliff Burton sitting, sits next to me and says, uh, Oh, you like uh, Venom? <laughs> oh, so he asked about Venom, not Metallica. Yeah. He asked, he asked me, he said like, ah, so you guys like Venom? And I go, yeah, fucking love him. And then I, I looked away. Then I looked back and I go, Oh sh shit. You guys were great tonight. And he goes, ah, <laughs> the audience was weird. And, you know, they didn't know how to, uh, you know, I don't know what you would say. The, the older audience just would always stand there. I mean, it goes back to, remember we went to see uh, Iron Maiden open up for Judas Priest, uh, uh, the Killers Tour, and me, Pete, and our our friend were going wild, and this big, you know, like, metal hippie guy behind us kicks the seat and goes, sit down, it's the opening band, you know? Yep. <laughs> and our friend turned around and goes, it's fucking Maiden, because, you know, people didn't know it, we knew it. How do you guys discover new music and new bands in 2020 when you've, like, let's be real, you've seen it all? Like, how do you, like, and especially in hardcore punk, like, how do you guys kind of discover new bands, new music, and what gets you excited these days, like, within the hardcore punk, punk circles or even outside of it? it? It's usually just seeing stuff live. Yep. And it sucks that we haven't toured in what six months or whatever, and it's usually yeah, more the summertime festivals where you get to see tons of different bands, you know, punk, yep. whatever, hardcore, metal, whatever. So that that's usually the way I get to see the new stuff, you know. Yeah. But sad to say, we haven't. All I've seen is the uh, my house this entire <laughs> yeah seven months. <laughs> Weird you know? tangent. Are you are you like? What's the rules about going out and about? Like, is it are, are you staying indoors because that's what they're suggested, or is it like you can't leave a five mile radius of your house? Or what's the story? Uh, well, in in Florida, yeah, they pretend that there is no virus. Oh, good. So you can do okay. Whatever you want, even though the numbers and the peop more and more people die every single day, but the governor is pals with the president. Yep. And he wants things to be as normal as possible. So you, everything is open. All the gyms are open. Yeah. Clubs are open now. All the bars are open. Nothing matters. Yeah. So, but obviously we're not stupid. Only the yeah. brainwash decide to go and, hey, this guy said it's okay. So now we could yeah. you know, go out and do whatever we want. But the numbers go up here every single day. You know, last weekend in one day, 59 people died in our neighborhood. In your yeah. neighborhood? Fuck. Yeah. Wow. Daytona Beach Shores, that's the name of my neighborhood. Yeah. And 59 people died in one day. And it's like, why is anyone, they don't listen to science, they listen to their political party. Yeah. So, so they're more, yeah. I mean, what can you do? Like we, we, you know, I know in New York and in LA, my friend is headed off to LA in a few days yep. and he said, nothing is open. There's no clubs. There's no bars. There's no gyms. Everything is still closed. So yeah. they're doing it right. You know, like we get, we get daily updates on whatever news source you read and people, yeah. people freak. I mean, yeah, obviously our numbers, are, our population's nothing of what you guys have got, but like. For a country of twenty million, we still kind of freak out when there's been three deaths, like you know, twelve yeah. cases and three deaths. We still go, 
fuck, it's it's definitely not over yet. So I can only yeah, imagine yeah, yeah. what how how an impact of fifty nine people in one town kind of deaths yeah. in one day is. That's fucking insane. And, that, and that's that's the thing is everything was severely locked down months ago. Yep. There's no cure. Yeah. There's no vaccination. So why are you lightening up on anything? Yeah. There's no change whatsoever. <laughs> yep. You know. And the, reality, the election's coming up. That's why. Well, that's it. And the reality is, like, you guys would benefit most, like, being musicians. Well, you call yourself entertainers, but, like, you know, being in <laughs> a band, you'd benefit most yeah. from everything opening back up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we yeah. haven't worked in six months yeah. or longer. So, yeah, that's fucking wild. What about you, Lou? How do you, how do you kind of discover new music in 2020? Uh, word of mouth from like my friends who are 10 years younger than me, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or, or once in a while I'll just come across, I, I use stuff like Spotify or whatever. And a lot of their like, Oh, if you like this, you'll like this. Yep. Some very rarely do they hit it, you know, okay. it's usually yeah, yep. 70, but then once in a while they get it right. I always found it weird when you were like on Apple or, or whatever Spotify. And it's like, Oh, I see you've played Sick of It All and Motorhead. You would like this. And it's like the new Justin Bieber record. I'm like, right. <laughs> obviously, obviously they're paying you to shove it into everybody's yeah. face. But, you know, that has nothing to do with what I listen to. Or, or, but, I mean, I, I, or Justin Bieber's grown a mole and started sounding like Lemmy. <laughs> like, who knows? <laughs> it's 2020. Anything's possible. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. true. But, yeah, I mean, there was this, uh, you know, like you said before that oh we've seen it all that's that's a thing that i always feel like going even going back to the early 90s when corn's management sent us their album like in advance because they wanted us to take them on tour yep and they're like oh they're gonna be the next big thing and i heard it and i just sat there and said it's good it sounds like nine inch nails meets sepultura i don't see what the big deal is okay. you know and other bands you know that have come along where i'm like you know, not putting any of the like the thrash revival bands down because I I love a lot of them. Yep. But when my friends flip out, they're like, "Oh my god, you got to hear this record!" I'm like, "It's good. It's good thrash." There's a you know, but that's an Exodus riff. Yeah. And that's a Slayer riff. But they don't give a shit. They just want to hear the same stuff over and over. Yep. But uh, I I think when a band does something that's been done before, uh, there's a band called Gloss, and they just play. Well, they they broke up. Yeah. But uh. They played, it was like straightforward, hardcore punk, you know, fast as hell, yep. with, uh, catchy groove parts, but, you know, not New York style groove, like punk grooves, you know, and it was so generic, but it was done so well, you yeah. know, uh, and, and bands that put their own spin on stuff like Turnstile. When I when I first heard Turnstile, mm -hmm. everybody's like, you got to hear them. I'm like, yeah, they're really good, but this sounds like a leeway riff and this sounds like you know murphy's law and this sounds like underdog all new york and but then seeing them live and what they progressed into you know they took the they took those influences and put a great spin on it yep that makes sense so you know that's why that's exciting to me the gloss was an amazing gloss was amazing to kind of you know they never they never toured out i, I highly doubt they toured out no they wouldn't have toured out here like, but that was an amazing thing to watch from a distance. Going, this band no. is getting so like the the everything they released was fantastic, but to the point where they were like our message and our what we're doing is more important than signing to Epitaph. So let's 
You know, yeah. let's just drop a grenade and all jump on it. <laughs> See, that, that's 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 what uh, I didn't understand is like I could find six East Coast bands that just as good. Yeah, but I think the fact that they were transgender gender teens or or in their early twenties. Yep, that's why all the labels like, oh my god. I'm not putting, I love that record. I yeah. love the demo. It's like the, I still listen to it yeah. every day. It's, and I, I try to get Craig to listen to him. I'm like, you love like New York hard or just hardcore. That's fast and, and done great. Listen to how pissed off these guys are, or yeah. these kids are. Yep. And, uh, you know, but I think they, like you said, they were like, I'm all the, not just epitaph, but all these labels were like chasing after them. And I think they freaked them out. I think what they should have done was like, nah, we're going to put it out ourselves or we're just going to do what we want, which is what they ended up doing. They were just like, ah, we're just going to break up. Yeah. <laughs> and it gives them more mystique. Well, it, it definitely, yeah, it definitely kind of puts them in that they didn't do anything wrong. So for, from now until eternity, you know, they're, they've got to shine light, which is an interesting decision. But yeah, like they, yeah, that's their call to make, I guess. Yeah. It's just a shame because like I remember, it, it, what was that? <clears throat> uh, no, 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 I'm go, saying it no, was a shame go. because I, as soon as I heard the demo, I, I called our, yeah, I called our, uh, I called our booking agent. And I was like, "Hey, do you know this band?" And she, she of course, yeah, I know, I know who they are. I said, "Can we tour with them?" This is exciting. You know, the music was exciting. It wasn't another hate breed clone trying to go out on tour with Sick of It All. You yeah, know? yeah, which I'm sure you get pitched all the time. So one thing that I thought was I'm not gonna, I'm definitely going to cut this bit unless you unless you're cool with me talking about it I'm definitely going to cut this bit. Um, so I I was lucky enough like I 
was at uh, Punk Rock Bowling last. <clears throat> pardon me, Punk Rock Bowling last year, um, and one of the most like <laughs> just one of like the, one of the one of my favorite moments of the decade. And with with not like you know outside of the fact that I got married this decade and had my first child, well my wife and I had our first kid this decade. So <laughs> we'll move that into like its own separate god tier category. But like we're seeing you guys drug church, and there was obviously more bands, but you guys drug church and Pennywise on the same bill on a beautiful night, yeah. you know, outside outdoors in downtown Las Vegas. It was fucking incredible. Um, but you <laughs> mentioned, but you mentioned in the books how. You, it see it comes across yeah. like a you know a weird little not tiff but like um you you have a difference in opinion on things, no. you know yeah. with, with the punk rock bowling booking system and it completely makes sense like that they kind of can strong arm because they they'll generally sell out when they they'll announce three but three or four bands and then generally sell out like that that must hurt because they have that kind of power and one thing that I also thought was interesting that I've never thought of before is had you guys have broken up in 2000, like, you know, your release called arms 2000 and no, 1999. Yeah. Yeah. 99. And then in 2013, come back with a new album, you guys would be as revered as refused or at the drive-in or all those <laughs> other bands. But like, you know, yeah, you, you never kind of, you never kind of gave it up. Like, Again, and this is me just kind of. I don't. I don't expect answers from this, but like, I just thought it was really interesting that <laughs> th- that you said it in the book because, like, do you expect a call from Punk Rock Bowling well, again? Well, the, the thing is, I don't think they'll. If if they get wind of it, I think one person, not any of the main guys, but somebody who works with them, was like, "Hey, why would sick of it all talk shit about you know Punk Rock Bowling uh, to our manager?" And our manager called me right away, and he was like. Uh, I think he emailed me and Peter, whatever, and he was just like, "I just want to know, are we? What do you, what do you want me to say?" And I said, "Like, what do you mean? You know, this is the problem of doing a book that's just a conversation with guys because some shit's going to come out." Yeah. You know. Yeah. So we, I mean, it is what it is. That's exactly how it went down. You know. Well, there's, it was not untru- anything. It's not untruthful. It, there's no lies or you know derogatory comments or anything. It's what happened. My. my it was just funny to me and Pete, like, like Pete was, when the guy was saying, yeah, we're a small little, you know, festival, Pete was like, you know, there's a fucking internet and we saw there's like over 30,000 people there. You're going to tell us it's small. Yeah. You know, I understand they're trying to make money, trying to make a living, but so, so are we. we. And, yeah. You yeah. know, and, but like you said, they have the power now, you know? Yeah. But yeah. see, we've met people who from the punk and hardcore scene, that when they get into a position of power, they kind of forget where they come. Not maybe they don't forget, but they just forget some of the morals that go on with it. Yeah. Uh, somebody who is not like that, who, who's no matter how big he's gotten, has always treated every band that he works with uh, like it's his own and gives you the best deal or the best benefit. You know, like really looks out for you. Was Fat Mike? You know, I, I, when we when we left. <clears throat> The major label, everybody was like, why are you guys going to, you know, you should sign with a hardcore label like, you know, Trust Kill or Victory. It's like, no, Fat Mike is a guy who, t- he's not a hardcore guy who started a label and then, you know, stayed at home for the, his whole, you know, to run the label. He's a guy who runs the label and tours the world. So he knows what it's like to be in a band. Yeah. You know, and he always 
cool as shit with us. That well, that so that was actually gonna that was gonna lead into my, my next question. Um, yeah, you guys released uh, wait this uh, wait this sleeping dragon in twenty nineteen or eighteen? It was last year, wasn't it? Eighteen. Oh, 2018, of course. Yeah, yeah. And that was a return to fat. Like, basically basically because what you said, was there anything more to it? Did, um, you know. Well, one one of the reasons is if there's a problem. Yep. So if we released it on like a major in the US or even Century Media, if there's a problem we have with the company, I just take my phone and I call Mike. Yeah. And Mike answers the phone. And he'll be like, yo, dude, what can I do for you? And he does whatever he can do. Is that your Fat Mike you know, impersonation? I'm, I'm not wearing a dress right oh, now. Oh, right, okay. So <laughs> All combat boots, so yeah, okay. <laughs> no, but that is, but, uh, a, that is a luxury that, you know, not, not all record labels have. Yeah, and it's like we see him, you know, every single summer on the summer festival touring schedule, you know, we always run into him, and he's a good guy, you know. He's yeah. he's like a friend, and like Lou was saying, he's not just the guy who runs the company or owns the company. He's a guy in a band, making a living by playing music, and he knows how hard it is. Yep. So he he has great business skills and great luck, you know, with Fat Records and all that. So he's sharing with all these other bands. He's helping them out. Yep. Yeah. It's yeah, like there's still that that yeah. the concept of the the one record deal, which doesn't I, I assume yeah. doesn't still like still wouldn't exist to this day and age. Like, but they still go for it. Like, it's all it all seems to be a handshake kind of nod and a wink. We'll see what happens, yeah, yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Again, I mentioned at the end of the book, um, you guys kind of rattle off some of your favorite things, and I'll, and Pete, you mentioned um, a bunch of comedians at the end of the book. <clears throat> Pardon me, that that have been your favorites from all time. So <laughs> one thing I find interesting with comedians. Not versus musicians, but like it's so to show an eighteen-year-old kid today who's kind of interested in comedy to show him a George Carlin or a Richard Pryor thing would definitely come off as dated and may not resonate. But on the flip side, if you showed an eighteen-year-old kid scratch the surface or just look around or built to last, they could completely understand it, even though it was re- you know they were released thirty something, well, nearly thirty something years ago. What do you think the difference is wow. between music? Yeah, <laughs> this makes me feel a bit old. Uh, what do you think? It, what do you think the difference is between like music? Like, why does music age so well where comedy maybe doesn't? It's just because the comedy is, uh, even though our stuff is topical, it's we, we yeah. leave it. More, it's not specific, you know, uh, or at least we try not to be specific. They're like we didn't write a song called "Fuck You, Ronald Reagan" and still playing it in twenty twenty. You know? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. That's what I was gonna say. <laughs> you can say it too. I'll, no, I'll, I'll edit Lou out. No, but, but, but music-wise, just <laughs> listen. Like we were talking about War Pigs, that song is gonna be relevant forever. Yeah, and ever and ever. But there is a lot of George Carlton shit that is still relevant. Like he's, he's yeah, still I'll, quoted a lot. Yeah, but I probably he maybe talks about the, yeah. the illusion of having freedom of choice. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, maybe he you was just a- said like uh, Howie Mandel. <laughs> yeah, 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 that would have been a better option. Yeah. Alrighty. So Pete, you also Pete, you also mentioned that um you have a top five and like again without spoiling too much of the list, I'll just drop one name here. Um, you mentioned that Tom Morello was one of your favorite guitarists. Um, were you yeah. ever inspired to kind of 
you know, grab an Allen key and a wah pedal and like get fucking wild or like no 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 he's just, just I, I just like the way instead of traditional like leads and uh shredding he just you know makes up his own shit yeah i remember we were we saw them at the roseland in manhattan and at one point he's playing something then he just pulls the jack out of the guitar and shoves it into the pickup yep it made this insane noise and he was doing shit with the strings and it made sense and it had this amazing sound to it, you know, and it's not, that's nothing you're going to read in guitar player magazine, how to do. No, you yeah. Just, you don't, you don't go to lessons no. to teach that, you to learn that. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, he just, the, let me do this, you know, and he just did it and it yeah. sounded crazy. Could you imagine the guitar tabs of that? would be like, you know, oh, dude. FG yeah. and all of a sudden pull, pull plug out, shove into Yeah. Turn, turn then, the game up really, really loud and make wild noises. <laughs> or get an Allen key. Yeah. yeah exactly. Fun. Yeah. So Lou, you mentioned one of your favorite oh. um you mentioned one of your favorite front front put front people, I guess would be the best way to put it, was uh Freddie Mercury. Um, was Queen was Queen something you kind of discovered at a later age, or was it something that was always around from an earlier age? No, again with our older brothers, you know, yep. here in Queen. Of course, you like they got a song called "Fat Bottom Girls." Yeah. All right, you know, <laughs> right, stuff like that. But again, my favorite Queen song growing up—I mean, besides that, Bohemian Rhapsody and all that—was "Sheer Heart Attack." Yeah, you know, it yep. was so fucking it's great driving. You know. So, like, but part, yeah, Freddie Mercury, he could do it all. Part of this podcast, I do, um, I generally get people to pick five songs and we kind of place them, you know, what their parents listened to, then kind of what they got into, and da 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 da. And they pick five songs that kind of guide their life and, and musical trajectory. And there's only been two songs that have ever been doubled up, and one of them was um, She Heart Attack by Queen. Like, it's, and I, I generally, wow. like, I generally speak to punk and hardcore kids. And that one just seems to resonate with the, you know, the older generation. So if they had something in them. They they zigged when yeah. they instead of zagging. It could have been something a completely different band. But um, you know, who knows? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> cool. And um, you also mentioned again harping on the list at the end of the book. Now this one's a this one's a very selfish question, but I'm going to ask it anyhow. The um, Lou the at the one of the, your favorite. I guess non-punk slash hardcore albums. I, I don't know what you kind of categorize it as. Uh, was AFI's December Underground? Now I'm a huge yes. I'm a huge AFI album, and I feel like whenever I discuss AFI with people, especially from a punk slash hardcore background, they kind of get off the train an album or two earlier. Um, oh yeah, because they, they all you know, say like, oh, they when they did. They yeah. all say when they did Black Sails in the Sunset, that was it for me. I'm like, what? Yeah. The, this is a conversation. We, we took them on tour Yep. Uh, for Black Sails in the Sunset. Probably my favorite stick of it all tour ever. It was Sick of It All, AFI, Hot Water Music, and Indecision. I've got, I've, and it was so the I've, most, I bought a screened, like, I don't know what size you call it, but like a screen print of yeah. that tour. Yeah. It's, the artwork's uh, fucking amazing. Yeah. It, it, it great. Most fun I've had on a tour ever. But uh, I said to Davey, after like the third show, he goes, what do you think of the new stuff? And I go, I liked AFI, you know, uh, uh, shut your mouth, open your eyes. And, you know, all the, you know, the early albums. Yep. I love AFI now. And he was like, 
Really? I go, yeah, I fucking love the new shit. And I loved every release. And some of my friends in California are like, yeah, even after, you know, I could I could take them up to, you know, sing the star. I'm like, yeah, so they're not a punk band anymore. They're not the same punk band. They're like that generation's cure, you know? Yeah. They're like their Nine Inch Nails and Cure all mixed together, you know? So, so sell the album to someone who got off the train at Black Sails or even Sing the Sorrow. How do you how do you pitch it to someone who's like, my favorite album was very proudy, blah blah blah. Like, because <laughs> I, I have a problem. I have a problem with trying we try to pitch it to people because they're like, nah, like there's no you know there's no fast stuff, there's no punk well, stuff. There's, they all dressed in white yeah. for December Underground. Like. How do we? How yeah, do you they just have to give album. it a listen. Yeah, you have to listen. It, it, yeah. That's the thing with AFI. They do what I think Sick of It All can't really branch out of. Uh, you know, we we did branch out of the hardcore uh, scene and punk scene a little bit with this, but AFI, you can listen to their records at home, and then when you see them live, it's so exciting too. You know, yeah. Sick of It All is more giant, exciting live, and you'd have to really be into us to love the album. Yes, at home. Uh, that's the thing. It's like to sell somebody on an album like you know, December Underground. I'm just like, it's there. The aggression is there. You're just not listening to it. You know. Yeah. We had it. I remember when uh, Built the Last came out. People who loved us were as soon as they heard Good Looking Out, they were just like, oh, they're writing for the Warp Tour now. That's what I was told. Yeah. Because we didn't start. <laughs> I go. Have you listened to the other songs on Built to Last? There's some fucking shit that'll knock your head off. Yeah. You know, same thing with Call to Arms. If we had opened the album with a heavier song, people would have said like, oh, yeah, there's still New York hardcore. And then it opened up with Let Go. And they're like, oh, it's just a crazy punk. It's like, what the fuck do you think New York hardcore was? Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Awesome. All righty. So, Pete, the... um. The new, I've said it before. I just can't help. Like the new book's fucking great, but and what I what one thing I think that's interesting with well, one thing I find with because the only books this is going to sound fucking so uncultured, but the only books I really ever read are artist autobiographies or you know artist biographies autobiographies. That's fine. And they and they all kind of come out at a time when said artist has well and truly peaked. And without sounding fucking, you know, without sounding lame, has done all they're really ever going to do, and now they're kind of riding, riding the coattails of, you know, they've peaked and they live in their, not to sound like a jerk, but they've peaked and they live in their mansion. They're never going to kind of have the struggle that a lot of bands still kind of have to this day and age, where you guys are still kind of, you know, pardon me for assuming, you know, sound like I'm looking at your bank account, but like you guys are still working musicians. You guys are still going for it. You guys still constantly need to tour and it comes up, it gets mentioned in the book. Why now did you write the book? Because I feel like in theory, it's the story is only really half over because the other half hasn't been written. Like why now did the book come out? Uh, Howie was the one who just came up with the idea to do the book and the second part is going to be the book about sick of it all instead of just Lou and I. Well, that, yeah, and it ended well that way, yeah. You know, and uh, what, what the concept was is they just wanted to talk about two, you know, the brothers 
putting the band together and loving music so much that it actually became our lives. Yeah. So there was no timing involved with it. It was just, you know, it just came up like how we wanted to do, you know, the book about us. And uh, so at first me and Lou were like, well, shouldn't we be doing it about the band? Yeah. You know, but he was like, no, no, no. He goes, let's right now just focus on the brother aspect of it plan timing or anything and we don't have mansions or anything so there are no mansions involved i always feel when when people uh when people when we come to town and all that a lot of times you know people are, ah, i'll go see him next time sick of it all is always coming through it's like you never know what's gonna happen yeah. you know you never know what's gonna gonna you know make us all stay home one day or whatever so you know, I, I don't know if we could be like a lot of the other hardcore bands where it would be planned out and they're like, well, you know, this is our farewell tour and it lasts for three years. Yep. You know, yep. <laughs> farewell tours. It's a farewell tour, but, but we'll uh, be back. Don't worry. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I hope that the next book, uh, does start to, I, I always said they, sh I said they should interview uh, Armand and Craig too, you know, like more. Yeah. It should be more focused on those two idiots. Hey. <laughs> This is again just another selfish question. Why why SG why SG style guitars? Um, except for in the step down video where you played some big hollow body. Yeah, that's when I was actually sponsored by Gibson. Yep, and they were like, "Here, try out one of these Epiphones," and I was like, "Well, give me the big hollow body." Okay, so, right. I just liked the way it looked, and they gave it to me for free. Good, so. fantastic. <laughs> Did but, but uh, you I never always <laughs> loved the shape. Yeah, the shape of the SG, you know, because Angus Young. Oh, but yeah, Angus Young. Yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, they were the coolest guys, and they had the best guitar. So yeah, and I tried to use a Les Paul shape, but it just doesn't feel right. You know, you, you could always grab the, you know, you could always grab it like this, hold it up, you know, which you do often. <laughs> yep, yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. I was hoping you guys could kind of individually pick a song. Uh, from the Secret Old kind of discography that you kind of hold up as like the the song to kind of throw out, like as if like this is the one moment and just kind of riff on it. Is that cool? Like pick one of our favorite songs? Of, of uh, One of your favorite Secret Old songs, yeah. And pick one each, yeah. yeah. Well, what I really love playing is we always, for, for years it was the first song in the set was Good Looking Out. Yep. Because it really sets it off because everyone knows the beginning. Yep. And... Like when we do it live, we stop when everyone yells the whoa woes. When I feel that, when you feel the crowd screaming that, it gives you goosebumps. It sets off, at <laughs> least sets you off yeah. and makes you ready for the rest of the show. Even though we're all like psyched up already, but when you hear everyone, because they're fucking psyched, it, and it just, it, shoots you full more of energy and then you just go berserk even more, you know? That's what I love about that <laughs> song. And Lou, have you got one? I got, it, it's tough because, you know, like Scratch the Surface is really iconic and all that, but uh, I think Take the Night Off because that's when we had, like, we proved to everybody, this is going back to 2006 when that album came out, you know, everybody was like, oh, Sick of It All is still around. Oh, they're still around. And then we left Fat Records 
Because the last, the record before that, it was a great record, but it just didn't get the respect or whatever that it deserved. You know, now, of course, everybody's like, oh, it's one of my favorite records, Life on the Ropes. Yeah, now it is. But back then, nobody gave a shit. Yeah, we took two years off to write, and then we came out on Century Media with fucking Death to Tyrants. And as soon as they heard, this is the story that we were told was when we sent the demo to uh, to uh, uh, Century Media, they're in a, they had a big meeting. And as soon as they put in the demo and the first track was uh, was Take the Night Off, the fucking president stops it in the middle of the song. He goes, we got to fucking put this record out because he loved it that much. And it really did. That album, that whole album <laughs> gave us a real, you know, rebirth. And it just and it just shut everybody up that was like, oh, yeah, Sigma is still around, you know. We are sick of it all from New York City! Oh, no. 
look, that, unless there's anything else you guys want to add, like I've had, I've, I've had a fucking brilliant time. <laughs> yeah, yeah and good. I really appreciate. Yeah, <laughs> is there anything? Is there any kind of final thoughts or anything you want to drop on the listeners? Uh, God, I wish we were coming back to Australia soon. That's what I wish. Yeah. Yeah. Same here. One one weird thing we're doing right now is we actually started recording the audio version of the book. Oh wow! Okay. So uh, when was it? it? Was last Monday? We did five hours of reading and recording. And the strange thing is, you know, when when they edit the book, they have like someone who knows better grammar than us. So they they fix some of the words here and there. And they fine tune it. Yeah, we're like reading the shit and we're stumbling over our own words. But it, it, it's pretty fun, you know. It, and it, it's funny reading it again. You know, it's good except. I have to record in, I have this little walk-in closet and I had to, <laughs> it's nice and super quiet in there. And I'm like all squashed down in the fucking, you know, floor recording for five hours. And I think Lou's in his, uh, in his bathroom. At I'm in the, I'm in a bathroom in my basement. <laughs> I recorded the, uh, the COVID videos that we, we've been putting out. I recorded all my videos in there. You, you just don't see the toilet. I trip over it a couple of times. He's, he's sitting down the whole time. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That's awesome. See. Maybe we'll do another one and I'll just flush it at the end, you know? Yes, yes. There you go. Gents, thank you so much. You have no idea how much is I'm fucking thank you. just blown away by yeah, your generosity and give me this much time to have a chat and I really appreciate it. No problem, man. No problem, That's man. It. Have a good one and um, come back to Australia. you made it thanks very much for listening episode 60 done and dusted 2020 for our interviews done and dusted uh next few weeks we'll do what i'm going to do what i'm going to call the top six 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 of the year six punk six hardcore and six other um my top six releases of the year in those particular categories and then look we'll kick it all back in january as we do um 
huge January one coming up. Uh, if you're Australian and you like Australian punk, then you probably will get a big old kick out of this because, yeah, they don't come much. They don't come much more influential than this. That's how I'll put it. I'm not gonna say they don't come bigger than this because biggest you know it's it's a weird concept but like they don't come more influential than this or more you know timeless than this um cool we'll see you next we'll see you soon take it easy everybody talking to their pockets everybody wants a box of chocolates at the long stem rose everybody knows Everybody knows you've been discreet But there were so many people you just had to meet Without your clothes And everybody knows Everybody knows Everybody knows That's how it goes Everybody knows 
Everybody knows. Everybody knows.